The most common cause of bad customer experience isn't that high tech. It's embarrassingly simple. Yup, it's answering questions. In e-commerce, it's really easy to get bogged down with common questions, whether that's where's my package, how do I return or exchange this item, or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that enhances the customer experience with visual formats and self-serve technology to empower your customers to handle their own support requests. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com. You're now listening to Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. Be sure to subscribe to Fintech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential.com and sign up for Fintech Confidential information at access.fintechconfidential.com. Carl, welcome to the show. I find it so interesting how your experience in building and marketing several e-commerce brands and how you turn that into solving revenue breakage from poor customer support. But before we dive into that, I just would love to understand, and the audience probably too, is that how did you get introduced into e-commerce and fintech in the, in the first place? It's been about 13 years. I started with doing mostly lead generation started with some affiliate traffic, and then I started dabbling into driving my own traffic using native and email. And I did that for a few years. And then from there, I started building out my own brands. What kinds of brands have you built and where have you focused in that? We did a lead gen campaign that was primarily targeted towards women over the ages of 35. So when we got really good at that. And we realized we wanted to probably dive into maybe creating our own e-commerce product. We decided to figure out like, let's just what we're good at for targeting purposes. So we started with a skincare line first. So that's, we created a, an anti-aging skincare line based on our ability to target that audience. You've mentioned to me in the past that you spent a lot of time while you were building out these marketing campaigns and buying advertisements and media how did that background give you a different perspective on the problem that SolvePath is solving? With SolvePath, uh, what we realized is the formula and format, anybody that's an advertiser that's building out their own brand has been A-B split testing outside of the actual media buying, playing around with you know different checkout flows, different landing pages, different copy, different content playing around with different upsells and using this visual experience to get somebody to buy a product. And then when you start diving into the media and you start looking at data sets and audiences and you're always, and you're playing around with different ads and you're constantly AB split testing, there's always a winner, right? You're able to look at that data and based on that data, you're able to make refinements to improve your, your click-through rate, improve your conversion rates. And w after we built SolvePath, we realized using this visual experience could be used for sales, right? So we took that same formula and that same format, and we now applied it to customer support. So if your save rates or our take rates or the performance for the support is, is not the greatest, we're able to go ahead and dive into the data and figure out where the pain points are 
and what we could do to make it better. And we can, using this visual experience, playing around with the steps for that particular pain point and figure out what we can do to, same way we handle the front end of a sales funnel, we're able to apply that same rule to support. Carl, so how did that shape your views on fintech being the ad media buyer? So if you take a look at the ecosystem for, right, we have advertisers, we have merchant processing, call center, there's obviously traffic sources. So there's all these different people that play a big role in this ecosystem. And every time when we're building SolvePath, we always look for solutions to not only make the customer support better, but to figure out ways of adding value. One of the things that we noticed, we had a lot of customers coming into our system and they were coming in. It was originally built, we call it the marketplace, people coming in for customer support. These are people that are typically post-sale, someone that are actually made a purchase and they're coming in and they have questions pertaining to maybe other products you have in the mix or potentially incentivized products. So we created a marketplace and what we noticed is it allowed us to potentially help our clients strategize a post-sale strategy. One of the biggest things that we typically, I think a lot of people have uh, some difficulty with is coming up and forming up a post-sale strategy. And what I mean by that is the ability to actually retarget and remarket to their existing customer base. And through SolvePath, if they are an existing customer, in a lot of instances, we actually have payment method already on file. So through frictionless checkout, we allow that customer to very easily very swiftly purchase another item. Very similar to an Amazon, if you're logged into the Amazon app, you can hit a buy now button rather quickly. Sorry. It's okay. So yeah, the, that sounds very interesting, but that wasn't the original, that wasn't the original beginnings of SolvePath. From what I understand, it was really built on, for as an internal solution, not meant for anybody else, but the businesses that you were managing. and it was based on a real problem that you had in your business. Help us understand what was that problem and, and what was the genesis of why, what SolvePath was originally created to do? As I mentioned earlier, we've built out several of our own e-commerce brands. Most of our e-commerce brands had continuity attached to it. And outside of handling the, any kind of the merchant processing internally, our dev team, sales, media buying, one of the biggest sections or departments of our company was also internal customer support. And being really dialed into our call center scripts on this customer's needs and wants on a variety of different reasons, different products, different campaigns, we noticed that 80% of our support requests were typically coming in for these top five reasons. So we came up with the idea and the concept of one, it was a cost factor, right? Ways that we were able to deflect calls from going to our call center. Because I don't know if you're aware, but typically 75 to 80% of our support requests were coming in within a four hour window. So there was lag time, there was delays, there was hold time. And those customers were turning into, they were, they were hanging up. And then what was happening was we were started seeing chargebacks started kicking in. So for us, we needed to create something and we came up with the idea. I have somewhat of a tech background and we had developers that were working with us at the time, we came up with the idea is if a customer was calling in or if they were emailing us, could we give them this self-serve link that would allow them to handle their own support request? Because maybe they can let them cancel their own subscription, let them adjust the shipping frequency, let them um, revise their order, let them push back the next bill date, update their shipping, you name it, a variety of different reasons why people would call in. And it was came up with a very basic concept. And the two main reasons we did it originally was to just drive down cost, 
and to get in front of that customer faster. 24-7, 365, no hold time. And originally, it was also an opportunity for us to just allow that customer to have another option. If the hold time was a little bit longer, they still had the opportunity to bite on a self-service option. And we decided to go with this visual format because it's one, one what we know. And two, from my experience, like voice IBRs, I'm not knocking them because we do have an entry point for our inbound calls that use a very short duration voice IBR. But I always feel that they're still very frustrating and they don't do a really good job of handling more complex issues and do well with saving the customer. But it isn't just a call center deflection. There's a whole bunch more that goes into it, right? Yeah, I mean, and actually the, the technology actually works well when working in tandem with the call center. Um, there's a variety of different things. It can handle email support ticketing. It can help resolve basic payment updaters. It can create a, a ticketing system that can work. There's a knowledge base in there. So sometimes we see clients that have 40% of their inbounds or people just have questions about the product, about the billing process, things that they don't want to cancel. They just have questions. And in those instances, a lot of those calls don't necessarily, those requests don't necessarily need to go to a live person. And then obviously looking at the support requests and understanding people's needs and wants for all the, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of sessions that hit our system. We're looking at the data and based on that data, we're creating new features to accommodate those requests from the consumer coming into SolvePath. Okay. And this may seem like I'm going like completely out of left field on this one, but how did you decide that you were like going to spin off SolvePath into its own thing versus just keeping it to yourself and, and, not sharing the fantastic success that you were having with that. I just saw the opportunities and I saw like a void in the space and not necessarily that, but I got really into it. I, I come more of a tech background and I felt like the technology could do so much more. And we have a, we use Asana to manage our project tasks and it's pretty long right now. Some of the features we have wish lists and anticipating what we want the technology so if the vision is clear as to what we want, I'm pretty excited about where the technology is now, where it's going to be. But the main objective for a whole is to have this AI-driven customer support technology that has this really, this really awesome uh, visual experience, this design capability and the creativity that you can actually inject into uh, your customer support, making the customer support experience this really uh, this great experience for the customers but also achieve uh, performance and deliver the results that the merchant and the advertisers are looking for at the same time and are a fraction of the cost. All these things, all this data, the self-service model, all of these different things, like what, how is that helping increase the merchant's bottom line? It sounds really great to have great customer service, but there's gotta be some measurables that are really showing to the merchants that they can look at every day or every month or whenever they look at it that, having this self-service option is really increasing their bottom line. So outside of cost, there's a huge cost savings. You're talking, you potentially just on the, the, for every customer we touch versus a call center, depending on the, how detailed that call center is more domestic style call centers that are trained very specific on your product. They can range anywhere from 80 cents to as high as a dollar 50 per minute versus something that SolvePath would handle could range anywhere from, you know, as high as 85 cents to as low as 40 cents a session. So there's, there's a substantial cost savings. And then it also depends on your product and call duration. So if you're at a dollar a minute and your average talk time is six hours for certain types of calls, I'm sorry, six hours, six minutes. Six hours, that's, quite a, bit. that's a quite a long Yeah, that's call. quite a bit. <laughs> 
And if it's gadget related products, like where people have troubleshooting products, those the average talk time on something like that, depending on the product, can range anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. So it's all relative. So this outside of that, there's cost savings. But let's talk about performance for a second. So if you look at performance, and that was one thing that we noticed. So I mentioned to you that we had an internal call center on our, on our own brands that we managed, but our team internally only handled the first four dials. Anything after that went to a call center, a third-party call center, and then anything after hours, the call center would get as well. And the performance from a well-trained agent internally versus someone outside, it was there was a big difference in regards to performance. Like a skincare line is an example. We sold the science. We asked them a lot of different questions to dictate how we would respond. Are they using other products in conjunction with our product? Are they using it as instructed? How long have you been using it? And so we had the ability to have these perfectly executed responses, but even our own internal team still was not able to give that perfectly executed response based on sentiment on how that person called in. Maybe they didn't ask all the questions they should have. So that's where SolvePath can come in. If you're getting 5,000 inquiries a week for a very specific reason, it allows you to have a perfectly executed response down to the billing cycle, the product, the price point, you name the data point you want to pull, and you can ask as many questions as you want. And we can actually make sure every single time that's a perfectly executed response. And very similar to a sales funnel, it's going to deliver really rigid results and good data. So you can figure out maybe on a downsell or a save attempt if it's working or it's not. And you can constantly just... There's always the right copy, the right content, the right questions to ask to dictate how and what you're going to put in front of somebody next. It's just sometimes just cracking the code for your product. Some brands just want an out-of-the-box solution and some brands just love the idea. And mostly media buyers or people that are really into funnel really love the technology and really realize like the, how powerful SoftPath can be for their business. But the bottom line, yeah, it's when you talk about retention, you're talking about increasing lifetime value post-sale, it's a game changer. It could be a game changer for sure if you set up your support right. So does this provide like any benefits to the merchants with their relationships with the fintech service providers, whether it be chargeback management or their merchant services companies or any of the areas in the fintech side? Of, does, this, does this help them with their relationship or does it even help the fintech service providers themselves? I think it's a bit of both. We've had a conversation or two and reference to the uh, the benefits that SolvePath offers, not only the actual merchant, but the actually entire ecosystem, right? If a customer's doing like heavy continuity, I think everybody at the end of the day want to make sure you're getting in front of that customer a little bit faster, getting that customer what they want, reducing the, and that's what we've seen on more high risk style kind of sales funnels, just getting 24, 7, 365, the ability to get an answer right away. We are seeing reduction in chargebacks and disputes and complaints because unfortunately, I don't know, just from a study that was done, 90% of all disputes and chargebacks come through self-service technology. So whether it's an alert on your phone, whether it's something that's showing up on your digital statement, unfortunately, we're in an environment right now that they make it way too easy for consumers to dispute and charge. So instead of picking up the phone, or if they do make an effort to pick up the phone and there's no answer, or if they go and hold and they hang up, unfortunately, there's a good chance that person might turn into a dispute. So getting in front of those customers faster. Uh, and again, we don't have to be the first line of defense. We could be the second or we're working with an integration with uh, Twilio for now. Not Twilio, I'm sorry, 5.9, which is a dialing technology that allows us to understand and recognize the whole time. So we know the whole time for that current customer right now is let's say two minutes or greater. Then at that point, they can initiate a self-service option. 
or they can use this for after hours too, right? Always making sure that their customer has an option and able to get what they want. And a number of consulting agreement, uh, arrangements that I've had with some folks, we dove in to look at like how to solve for their chargebacks, how to solve for cancellations, a whole bunch of different things. And it's interesting that we found that if in our authorizations with credit cards, if we were putting the, the, the URL, the support URL in there versus our main website, the support calls, yes, the support tickets because they weren't always calls they were mostly like emails and things like that but the support tickets went up but the returns and the chargebacks and everything else went down now mind you we didn't have a technology like SolvePath. it was all through email and all that other fun stuff but i can only imagine if you were to couple those two things together SolvePath and that that approach how much more breakage you could reduce in the overall business. Yeah, I, we've seen it too. And I think it has a lot to do with your demographic too. Like you have a demographic that's over the age of 50. They still can navigate, obviously for this style self-service. I think they're more keen to going through this visual experience. But in some cases, um, we do see people that have an older demographic might want to do a hybrid where they want to just really offer those customers both options. So whether they want to put a link on their web page or on their autoresponders right near their phone, it's really up to them how they want to throttle SolvePath. But typically, a lot of clients that are on edge of trying something different and new, they can typically use this for after hours or just really get a good gauge of how well SolvePaths work. Our team can go in there and make any adjustments and customize the support sessions and the steps to, to get the outcome that they're looking for. And then at that point, they can start ramping it up and as they feel more comfortable. Just about every answer you've given so far, you keep going back to the data. You go back to the insights. You go back to the things that they can use to move forward. So my question really is like, how can a user of SolvePath leverage that data and the insights that are provided to make better decisions about their business? One of the sections of our technology is something called our, our help desk, our smart help desk. So we have probably close to 50, if not close to 60% of the people that go into SolvePath actually go to the search engine and actually type in a key phrase or go to specific FAQs. In a lot of instances, we see what people are searching for that are typing in certain key phrases. And a lot of our clients are actually learning about things they didn't even know. Like we had a hundred people over the last few days ask a question that we don't have a frequently asked question built out for. And we didn't even know that was a concern or an interest. And what's cool about the technology too, it also shows you where in the sales funnel they are. So you'll know maybe it's on the first billing cycle, if it's maybe in trial, if it's a trial, if it's on the initial sale. So you can see where they're asking that question. And in a lot of instances, you can use that information, maybe be proactive, put it in your autoresponder, put it on your website, wherever you need to potentially deflect those calls or those interest from coming in. In a lot of instances, it might've actually stopped the sale from actually happening. We had a particular product and uh, there were gummies and one of the customer was asking we had a lot of questions they had no idea one of the questions they had was is there sweeteners in there and they were like wow how many people probably didn't buy our product because there was no faq on the landing page that mentioned no sweeteners used if there was if that was the case so they obviously took that information and then they were able to deflect obviously calls from coming in and i would imagine their sales probably took a little bit of a spike as well I i'm curious because you you're talking about how to support stop a negative experience from happening. 
and very reactive. And, and in that reactive state, what comes to mind is, does this give an opportunity to save more sales that may have been lost? Does, it, does this data help them know what upsells are working, which ones are not working, whether or not they need to offer a, a downsell or, and maybe I'm probably getting all these terms wrong, but like a resell Nothing. even. So like maybe you bought, maybe you bought XYZ product and you wanted to cancel or return it. But then because you bought that, it's like, maybe I didn't want the 40 gallon thing of baked beans and I'm just making something up, but I would have been happy with a 12 ounce can. And you suggest to me the, the 12 ounce can. So I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking through all these different ways that you possibly could adjust the funnel. We typically create funnel templates based on your sales funnel. We look at a lot of different, a lot of different style sales funnels and based on what your checkout looks like, what your upsells look like, continuity, no continuity, how aggressive or conservative are your checkout flows, what your product price points are and what type of product you're selling. We'll look at all of that. And sometimes we'll give somebody an out-of-the-box template that's built specifically for them, and then we'll customize off of that. Sometimes we come across sales funnels that are very unique, products that are very unique, and we'll build it from scratch. And our team does all that, but it all comes back down to the data again. So sometimes a lot of instances, we ask them for their call center script, what they're having success with, we ask them what their top five call-ins are for or top 10, and they go over it per product, and we ask them how they would handle that. And we typically take that information and apply it to this visual experience for the consumer to handle it. So we have that conversation as part of the onboarding process, and we can run different scenarios. We're in the process of creating variations and A-B split testing. So you can A-B split test three downsell flows. You can ask different style legs, like questions. So based on how they answer why they want to cancel something, we can ask another question or two, and then these are called legs, right? So it can get pretty granular as to, but it allows you to have a perfectly executed response based on, they say 80% of sales is listening. So we allow the customer to give us information on why they want to cancel, maybe what they did or did not like. And based on how they answer those questions, we'll dictate what we'll put in front of them next. And we could use video, imagery, text, copy, and create a couple of different variations of that and see which one is the winner. And in some instances, we need to escalate the call to a call center. Might We might, our technology is able to recognize frustration and friction. And then we have something called lifeline. So we feel like this customer is not biting on any of the down cells. The session lasts too long. They, it's called click rage. They hit the back button and they hit too many steps. Our system will pop up and allow them to go right to the call center and they can handle it from there. We are working with the 5.9 integration also pass over information with that customer and wanted and a summary would just transpired. So we can actually speed up that call and that consumer doesn't have to go through that long lengthy process of what they wanted already. And it also shortens up call duration for their call center. This sounds like you could get super granular really fast and it could become very complex very easily. How is SolvePath, pun intended, how is SolvePath solving that problem? The problem of being complex, yeah. You can go down a rabbit hole pretty, pretty fast, depending on the, the customer and the client. But we have the staff and the support team to execute somebody's vision. We have a lot of people that get really excited about the software, and uh, but typically it's always the top three or four products that are potentially not saying problematic, but that's where their cancellations or where their pain points are. And we typically focus on those first. What are your pain points? As it returns. Are they, are they subscription cancels? They, are they, people want a refund for whatever reason? We focus on that first 
And then from there, all the other stuff is not saying it's easy, but it's typically not as pressing. So that's, we try to go where they're, where the, it really affects their bottom line and their cost. As far as the experience goes, when you've got these complex things going on, how would I, as a user, see or look or understand how everything plays together? It's the reporting. Like you can go back and just kind of, you can see in the reporting pretty much, and you could break the, we are reporting we built a specific way that allows you to actually hone in on any particular field within what support funnel, where were they in the support funnel, what product, what price point, what affiliate or traffic source, what ad they came from, right? Sometimes right, every action has a reaction. So you can actually have just, you might just have a bad retention on, hey, you might be having an ad or a traffic source that's doing really well for you. And it's converting really well, but th the performance post-sale is really poor and you'd be able to see that really quickly. Maybe they were confused on the offering. Maybe it was a little too aggressive on the front end and the back end is actually is hurting a little bit. So through our reporting, we allow you to kind of take a look at a report. You can play around with the dimensions and the filters to see over 150 data points of what you want to see. I mean, you could break it down on rebo rates down to the mid-level if you wanted to, payment type or even a bin level. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I appreciate you diving into that detail because it really expresses how flexible SolvePath can be. You, you don't just have the marketing side of the house. You've got all the different data points in there that really help you correlate an actionable thing to move forward with. So that brings me on to, you've mentioned a whole bunch of different things. And, and I know that you and I've talked about this in the past, but I, I, is there anything else that, that you see as a market differentiator for SolvePath that maybe we haven't discussed? So just going back to, to not my roots, but as a media buyer, as building sales funnel, using that same formula and format of selling people with sales and visual experiences, I, I think that's where we separate ourselves. Our vision for SolvePath is using data, using these support funnels that can be refined in real time based on that information, that data that we can pull and creating a really robust experience for the consumer to make it fun and make it interactive. Um, and to, at the end of the day, still deliver the performance for the merchant and at a fraction of the cost. We've talked about the the data and you've done amazing at explaining the complexity of this. I, I feel like I understand it, which means that I'm probably just enough to be dangerous. But the one question that comes to my mind is, so I'm a merchant and I want to use SolvePath. Are there existing integrations? Can I give an API to my development team? Help me understand what does it look like to implement SolvePath? So when we first started, we were on its uh, checkout champ, also known as Connective CRM, and then obviously St Sticky IO. So we're fully integrated with, with those three platforms currently. And we're in the process of uh, working with Shopify as well to finish that. That would be a big integration for us. And for some of the larger outfits, uh, we do have an open API that allow us to actually integrate right into that platform. That's awesome. So I'm going to move into less about the product, but um, just diving into some of your thoughts here. But if you were to if you were to define success for SolvePath, what does that look like? So for us, it's just executing the vision that I have to have this this really robust visual experience, hundreds, if not thousands of different templates for 
a variety of different scenarios. So every step within the support funnel, you'll have the ability to have full control over the design creativity. We're looking to constantly keep hiring more UI and UX designers to come in there and make the system more user-friendly, but more importantly, have more templates and design creativity. There's a huge design play here too, and the flexibility to let funnel builders on sales side to actually have the control and these really well thought out responses for their customers. Getting in with Shopify and having the ability to swiftly onboard tens of thousands of active customers over time, that's our goal. And the, we have work to do, right? Trying to automate the onboarding process and make it easier for end users to go in there and have some more control. We have a lot of the control, but sometimes some of the inputs and the features are pretty advanced. So we have some basic settings, then we have our advanced in general over the next uh, few years, we're looking to break into the market, partner with call centers, partner with a lot of integrations, whether it would be with Gorgeous and Zendesk. I truly believe whether it's a ticketing system that we create on our own internally, some people are going to be in bed with Gorgeous or going to be in bed with Zendesk. We have to have robust integrations with them. If a customer doesn't want to leave, then we have to be able to plug into them and vice versa. So uh, a lot of integrations, we have a lot of work to do still, but the technology at where it is now is actually doing well, but uh, I don't think it ever stops. All right. So here's a fun question I love to ask. If someone were to tell you that they wanted to create a self-service support product, what are the three things you would say to them not to do in order to be successful? Not know your call center script. We see a lot of people that are coming in that just hand over the, one of the not, it's not to do, but don't not take and handle your own inbound support request on your own offer. Like whoever works closely with you, take the first hundred calls, take the first hundred emails, figure out what your pain points are and figure out the best way of doing it. We come across way too many clients that don't even have access to the call center script and don't even know how to possibly have a, it, it, it's, and we have a lot of clients that do, but in, in essence, it makes things easier to sign up and it makes, if you ever had to make a pivot with another call center for whatever reason, it's important to understand what's working for you versus somebody else. Because typically you get put in a bucket for like, you're doing skincare, you go into a skincare bucket, not, you're not going into your brand bucket, which is what you want to do. And typically the performance and the, uh, the experience for the customer is a lot better when you want this, all that information. So I'm just going to repeat what I thought I heard. It's don't outsource too soon. Yeah, I, that's a fair assessment. I'm not saying outsourcing is bad because it's not. I'm, what I'm saying is that if you're going to build a real brand, there's certain things that you should know first. You don't have to take hundreds of calls a day. Most people are obviously busy building out the brand, but you should be involved in that process because cu customer support is a it plays a really big role in your bottom line. And you might not see it in the beginning, but as things start progressing and you start onboarding and if you're doing subscriptions it can spiral out of control pretty quick all right so we got one down two more man what not to do for customer support don't go the cheapest route which is sometimes when you're talking about saves and cancellations i know sometimes people can go overseas and get customer support for really cheap but there's whether it's a different language issues or sometimes less is not more and last but not least what's our third one the third one, it's got to be geared towards support. It could be if, if there's something that you've learned of like what not to do when building a technology software, we're open with that one too. It's hard. I think any business, when you're building something new and unique, it's that you got to make mistakes. I made plenty of mistakes already that set us back a couple of months where we built something and the infrastructure wasn't where it was supposed to be. And 
We got to scratch it and start all over from scratch. Think things through. And I'm fortunate enough that our CF, our, our CTO is, has been in the space for a little over 20 years. And uh, he's the architect and he makes sure he makes those big decisions to make sure we don't make those big mistakes. But same thing goes with the dev side of things. Just I try, I'd, I'd like to get in front and I speak to a lot of people. So if I can make any suggestions, not things not to do, don't hold it close to your chest. Try to get out there and speak to as many people that kind of, you can probably avoid a lot of expensive mistakes by actually getting in front of the people that kind of where you want to be. And I'm always trying to get in front of people and talk, whether it's, whether it's tech, even our tech's different. It's just the process of how you build a tech and build a team is, I think it really is really important. So some people want to stay quiet, but I, I think it's on the dev side of things for sure. I'd be super important to make sure you're building a really good team. All right. So I'm going to ask this just as a backup, as a different way to ask the question. Go ahead. If you were to build SolvePath from scratch all over again, what are three things you wouldn't do again? What, what I, the stuff of me, Ted, I wouldn't do, I don't think I would change anything. I just wish it would happen faster because we've been building the tech for. Look at it this way. What mistakes did you make that I built this and I shouldn't have, or, and, and, and maybe not even down that path, but really just thinking of if I were to build this all over again, these are like the three things that I would not repeat. Man, I don't know if I have anything specific. I, I just. I don't know. I don't, I just, maybe I didn't dive in sooner. Like I, I didn't realize what we had until we started building it and using it. And then as we start looking at the data and we look at the performance and we look at the things that are broken, we built based on that information. So I don't have any regrets right now. I wish maybe I would have hired a larger development team a little bit because we, again, we built this for a solution for ourselves. This was never, we never looking to get into the SaaS tech space. This just happened organically. But right now I've been fortunate enough right now that I'm sure there was some small mistakes, but nothing major that I would go back and say, wow, I wish I wish I didn't do this or do that. It hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it will, <laughs> but <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. Hey, is there anything else that I missed that you want to make sure that the audience knows? This is a visual experience, right? So people have a, maybe an understanding after this podcast as to what SolvePath does, but if they want to, they can sign up for a demo. I'll be more than happy to do a demo of the software and, uh, and that's it. But in, in essence, as a whole, SolvePath is an AI-driven uh, customer support technology that really enforces self-service for consumers. And we use this visual format and this creative design overlay to enhance the customer experience. But that's SolvePath. That's our vision, and that's what it's doing now. Is there a best way for people to reach out to you or the SolvePath team to, to really learn more and to dive in if, if this is something they're interested in? Yeah, they can schedule. There's a form that they can fill out real quick, so I want to get in contact with them pretty quickly. And based on what their needs and wants are, if they want to do an integration, if they want to just get a demo of the software, they want to speak to some of the dev on an integration after the demo, that's, we could do that. No problem. All right. So what I'm going to do is in the, if you look down in the description, as well as in the show notes, you're going to see links to all of these different things that we talked about. You also have links to all their social medias and all that other different fun stuff. And Carl, thank you so much, man. I know we've been talking about getting together like this for some time. And I, I always learn something new every time I get on the phone with you. So thanks again for, for joining us. Thanks a lot, Ted. I appreciate you, man. 
Be sure to subscribe to Fintech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential. Our show notes in each episode are available at www.fintechconfidential.com. And you can get Fintech Confidential information by signing up at access.fintechconfidential.com. If you want to be a guest on Fintech Confidential, submit your application at guest.fintechconfidential.com. Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid.